0: In September 2017, I shared a story on Patreon about Temple University student Jenna Burleigh. Jenna was a transfer student from suburban Philadelphia. she just started her junior year at Temple in North Philly, majoring in film and media arts studies, commuting from her home in Harleysville, Pennsylvania. The semester had barely begun. Classes had only been in session for four days when Jenna was reported missing by her father on Thursday, August 31, 2017. Temple University campus police, Philadelphia police, and the Pennsylvania State Police worked quickly, and within days they'd found Jenna Burleigh in northeast Pennsylvania. She'd been murdered. Police identified a person of interest who was arrested and charged with Jenna's murder, a man named Joshua Hupperturtz. Joshua was a former Temple University student with a criminal record that went back to his teenage years, although nothing in that record came even close to murder. In January 2019, Joshua Hupperterts was tried for Jenna's murder, and within less than two hours after the case was handed over to a jury, he was found guilty of murdering 22-year-old Jenna Burleigh on the morning of August 31st, 2017. This episode includes background about Jenna's life and her murder from the 2017 Patreon episode, and a case update about the trial of Joshua Hupperterts. In December 2018, he was given the option to accept a plea deal, if he pled guilty to the murder of Jenna Burleigh, Joshua Huppertertz would spend between 30 to 60 years in jail. He declined this deal and pled not guilty to her murder, although he did plead guilty to tampering with evidence and abuse of a corpse, something he absolutely could not deny since Joshua transported and then hid Jenna Burleigh's battered body in a plastic tub on the grounds of his grandmother's cabin in northeast Pennsylvania. He thought he'd be found not guilty of murder, but the forensic evidence against Joshua Hupperturts was undeniable. How did this beautiful, vibrant, smart young woman, whom friends described as unapologetically herself, a young woman on the night she went missing who wore a t-shirt with the phrase positive vibes only, an outward sign of her inner strength and positivity, wind up crossing paths with Joshua Hupperterts? We'll uncover that and more in this episode. I'm Dina Marie, your host on this Twisted Journey. Welcome to Twisted Philly.
1: There's more mischief, mayhem, and nefarious goings on in the city of brotherly love than Billy Penn could have ever imagined. We've got it all here on the Twisted Philly podcast true crime, haunted history, the coolest and creepiest places to visit. Welcome Welcome to to Twisted Twisted Philly. Philly.
0: This story that I'm about to tell is something that was literally ripped from the headlines. It's a case that happened in Philadelphia and Northeast Pennsylvania, and it's something that shocked me to my core as I watched this unfold over a period of about 72 hours. And it starts at a place called Pub Web. Pub Web is a Philly bar on the 1500 block of Cecil B. Moore Avenue in Philadelphia. You've heard me talk about Cecil B. Moore before. In fact, I talked about Cecil B. Moore Avenue in the very first episode of Twisted Philly, in the story of the corpse collector, Harrison Marty Graham. Marty lived near 16th and Cecil B. Moore, so just about a block from where PubWeb now stands. In the 80s, the neighborhoods around Cecil B. Moore Avenue in North Philadelphia were some of the worst in our city. Drugs were a leading factor for the crime rates in North Philly, and some of the crime rates in a few of those neighborhoods haven't gone down much since then. When I looked at PubWeb's website, they refer to themselves as a staple in the up-and-coming Temple neighborhood, as if the area around Temple University is new and hasn't been there for over 140 years. PubWeb is a popular sports bar. They also feature live music and DJs. They draw crowds from definitely Temple University's main campus and really all over Philly to listen to live music at their new stage in the space adjacent to the sports bar. If you walk into Pub Web on any night of the week, you are bound to find Temple University students. The bar is only a block or so from main campus. Between their slushies, their famous wings, and the DJs, it's a favorite among Temple students, including commuter students. Commuting to Temple is pretty easy from anywhere in and outside of Philadelphia. Sure, there's plenty of Philly kids who live on campus, but 81% of students live off campus. The U.S. Department of Education campus safety and security website shows university-reported statistics for 2015. There's nothing more recent. Burglaries are the prevalent crime at Temple University's main campus, where there were 34 in 2015, 10 were in on-campus housing facilities, and 24 were just around the main Temple campus. The next highest crime is rape, 13 in 2015. Six occurred in on-campus housing, Again, this data is reported by the university to the Department of Education, to campus security, or local law enforcement. These numbers don't mean there were convictions. Temple reports zero murders in 2013, 2014, and 2015. Now that's on campus, within campus housing, and just off campus. And really, there's only one Temple murder that I'm going to talk about today. That's the murder of Jenna Burleigh. Jenna Burleigh grew up in Harleysville, Pennsylvania, a suburb in northern Montgomery County, about 45 minutes to an hour north of Philadelphia, depending on which back roads you take. Jenna had an interest in communications, TV, and film long before her high school graduation. So it was no surprise she would eventually transfer from Montgomery County Community College to Temple University, which has a terrific communications program.
1: Hi, I'm Jenna Burley. I graduated from Southerton Area High School in 2013 and am from Harleysville. I hope to learn more about the communication areas I'm not as familiar with, such as radio. I think it will be cool to know about communication as a whole, which will give me a better idea of the area I fit into best. I'm currently liberal studies But that's because I can't decide which area in communication to pick. So I feel like this course will help me. While I went to Souderton, Red Alert, our TV show, was my baby. I was in the class for three years, the last two being a producer. I loved it so much, and still miss spending hours in the control room by myself, watching X Factor auditions. I think that room was my hardest goodbye when I graduated. That class led me to become a journalism major when I went off to college, which I ended up switching to film. Now my major is up in the air, so I'm excited to be taking this course.
0: The quote you heard was a post Jenna Burley made on a website called medium.com. It's a site for anyone who wants to learn more about creativity and share their own thoughts and ideas. It's for writers and newsmakers, a place for people to connect. Jenna was on that website sharing her journey, deciding which direction to follow in college and ultimately in life. Jenna started Temple University in August 2017 at the beginning of the fall semester. She was a junior majoring in film and media art studies. School had barely been in session more than a week. Jenna was a commuter student, as so many at Philly universities are. And on Thursday, August 31st, Jenna's father, Ed Burley, reported her missing to the local police in Lower Salford Township where they live and Temple University police. Ed Burley learned his daughter was missing when he realized she never came home Wednesday night, nor did she make it to class on Thursday, August 31st. He saw his daughter earlier that evening, they had dinner together, and then Ed dropped Jenna off at a friend's house near Temple main campus. That was the last time Ed Burley saw his daughter Jenna alive. Temple University police quickly engaged Philadelphia police who began a missing persons investigation. Jenna's family distributed homemade flyers around Temple campus. They posted flyers on telephone poles featuring photographs of Jenna, her brown hair pulled back from her face, revealing a trademark radiant smile. Electronic versions of the missing persons flyers were shared on social media over 20,000 times, indicating Jenna Burley was last seen around 2 a.m. leaving Pub Web, the sports bar at 1527 Cecil B. Moore Avenue near Temple University. A second missing person flyer was created featuring a photograph of Jenna in what was believed to be the clothing she wore Wednesday night. Dark jeans or leggings, it's hard to tell sometimes. Hair tossed up in a ponytail. And a white tee with the phrase, positive vibes only. That was Jenna. Police need your help finding a missing Temple University student. 22-year-old junior Jenna Burley was last seen early Thursday morning around 2 o'clock. She was at a bar close to Temple's North Philadelphia campus. Fox 29's Joanne Pelleggi spoke with students who are in complete disbelief.
1: You don't think it, it like can happen to you, but it happens all the time. And, and like the first week of college, too, like that's terrifying, you know. Her name is Jenna, and she's 22, and this shoes went missing recently. They just sent an email to keep an eye out. The flyers are posted all around campus now, flyers issued by university police and flyers made by Jenna Burley's family. I'm hoping that she's okay. You know, that's so scary. Police from the university say the 22-year-old from Montgomery County went to PubWeb near campus late Wednesday night. She was last seen leaving the bar around 2 a.m. Thursday morning. Her family called police when Jenna didn't respond to calls or texts late yesterday.
0: On Friday, September 1st, a resident at 1708 North 16th Street contacted Philadelphia police. He had some concerns about his roommate. The caller said their apartment looked as if it was recently cleaned, cleaning products still out in the kitchen. But someone did a really bad job because there appeared to be blood on the floor in the kitchen and on the sink, on the back door and other surfaces. The row houses on that block of 16th Street, not far from where Marty Graham lived 30 years ago, look very different today than they did back then. Now it's the up-and-coming Temple neighborhood. They've been completely remodeled inside with granite countertops, stainless steel appliances, new bathrooms, recessed lighting. It's a seller's dream, and a buyer or renter's dream too, if you can afford it. And in the middle of that shiny new remodel is blood residue. Just who was the roommate at 1708 North 16th Street? 29-year-old Joshua Hoppertertz. Joshua had been a Temple University student between 2014 and late 2016 or early 2017. I've read local Philly news reports indicating he was still a Temple student as recently as the spring, but background sources I accessed show that he left school in December 2016 after studying marketing and risk management. Hoppertertz was born in 1988 in suburban Philadelphia. In 1993, his father, Octavio, was murdered. Joshua was barely five when his father was killed as a result of a gunshot wound to the back of the head. His body was left in a storage lot in Springfield, Montgomery County, not Delco, with his hands tied behind his back and his body wrapped in trash bags. Octavio's murder is still unsolved, and I wonder what that event, the circumstances surrounding his death, did to the Hupperterts family. Before he was 20 years old, Joshua Hepperturtz was charged with theft by unlawful taking in April 2006. Between 2007 and 2009, he was charged with disorderly conduct, purchasing alcohol by a minor, and other lesser offenses, some of which he was found guilty, but the charges for purchasing alcohol by a minor were dismissed. In November 2010, Joshua Hepperturtz pled guilty to charges of public drunkenness and disorderly conduct. The following year, in 2011, he was charged with theft from a motor vehicle, 2012, charged with possession of drug paraphernalia in Montgomery County, and driving while under the influence in Lackawanna, where he was in college. Over the years, pleas were entered, guilty and not guilty. Trials were waived, charges were dismissed, trials were continued. In August 2014, Joshua Hupperturtz was charged with manufacture, delivery, or possession with intent to manufacture or deliver, stemming from an incident in 2012. In 2013, he was charged again with theft for allegedly breaking into a home in northeastern Pennsylvania and stealing credit cards, electronics, plus laundry detergent and beer. I kid you not, you can't make this shit up. Joshua Hupperturch sounds to me like someone who thought of himself as the talented Mr. Ripley. Local bartenders at PubWeb said he called himself Callie because he was from California. I can assure you, he isn't. One particular bartender at Pub PubWeb told a Philadelphia paper that Joshua would send her pictures of cash and weed, like he was a major player of a different sort. He said he played football for Westchester University in suburban Philadelphia, but nope, he never attended Westchester. He told a neighbor who was on the Temple women's soccer team that his father was an international soccer player, and he played too. Tragically, as we already discussed, his father was murdered when Joshua was barely five years old. Neither of them were soccer players. I wonder what Joshua Huppertertz told Jenna Burleigh to convince her to leave Pub Web with him shortly before 2 a.m. on Thursday morning, August 31st. Did he tell her he was a professional soccer player or a marketing major studying at Temple University? Whatever he did, when police examined surveillance footage from around the bar, they saw Jenna and Joshua leave together, heading in the direction of Joshua Huppertertz's apartment just about a block away. Before she left the bar, Jenna sent texts and a voicemail between 1.15 and 1.30 a.m. to friends who were at the bar with her earlier that evening. The messages said she needed help. She'd sent out a third message through Instagram. Although they didn't explain why or what sort of help she needed, Jenna Burley's friends didn't see the messages. How often has that happened to you? I know it frequently happens to me, during the day, not even late at night. I'm not paying attention to my phone, and I don't notice a text until the next day. Our initial reaction to hearing news like this, a young woman leaving a bar with a man she didn't know, texting her friends then goes missing, your heart sinks. Temple University police called Joshua Hupperturtz after identifying him in the surveillance video. He said, yeah, he was at PubWeb on Wednesday night, Thursday morning, but he was so drunk he had no idea whom he was with or whether he left with anyone. Based on the image of Joshua in the surveillance video and the information from his roommate about the condition of the apartment, Temple University police were granted access to Hupertertz's apartment by his landlord and confirmed the bloodstains reported by the roommate. That was Friday, September 1st. That was the second time Temple Police were on Joshua Hupperturch Street in two days, because on the morning of August 31st, around 4 a.m., someone called University Police and reported they heard a woman screaming. When Temple University Police arrived that Thursday morning, they didn't see or hear anyone needing assistance. As details came to light in the days following Jenna Burley's disappearance, it's likely she was the one screaming early Thursday morning. After Temple University police informed Philadelphia police what they'd found, the Philadelphia police secured a search warrant for Joshua Harpertert's apartment, where in addition to blood on the sink, the back door, and a trash can, they found between 10 to 15 pillowcase-sized bags filled with weed. What are you doing with all that weed? Where do you even store something like that? Do you stuff those pillowcases in a closet? And there was 20 grand in cash just lying around. But Joshua Hupperturt's was nowhere to be found. Around the same time the Philadelphia Police Department was uncovering bag after bag of weed on North 16th Street, Pennsylvania State Police found Joshua Hupperturtz at his grandmother's house near Hancock Highway in Wayne County. That's outside of Scranton in Northeastern Pennsylvania. At this point, Joshua was considered a person of interest. He was being questioned, but not actually charged with anything, and Jenna Burleigh was still missing. In addition to Joshua's apartment, police also searched his mother's home on Cloverly Lane in Jenkintown, Pennsylvania, a suburb north of Philly. Within 48 hours of Jenna's disappearance, police had identified someone for questioning, searched multiple residences spanning 150 miles or more throughout Pennsylvania, but they hadn't yet found Jenna Burley. They didn't know whether she was alive or dead until Saturday, September 2nd. That morning, Joshua's grandfather, a man named George Stabilito, was doing maintenance at the home of Joshua's grandmother, Inez Stabilito, in Northeast PA. That's the same spot where Pennsylvania State Police picked up Joshua the day before. George doesn't live at the home in Wayne County, but he helps out with the property. When you look at photographs of the Stabilito home, it's exactly what you'd expect from a house in the Poconos. It's a log cabin, with a big covered front porch. The garage and outbuildings look like smaller log cabins. It backs up to a lake in a typical, serene, lush section of the Northern Pennsylvania Mountains. George Stabilito told state police he was clearing snakes Saturday morning near a shed along the lake when he noticed a blue plastic storage bin next to the shed. In my head, I picture the sort of plastic storage bins I've picked up at Target to store holiday decorations and old childhood memorabilia. It's the sort of bin that goes in the basement or the garage. It's not airtight, nor is it waterproof. So it's not something you'd use for outside storage. And it wasn't there the last time George was on the property, so he opened it up. And there, inside the storage bin, was Jenna Burleigh wrapped in a blanket, Jenna Burleigh was murdered around 4 a.m. on Thursday, August 31st, in an apartment at 1708 North 16th Street in Philadelphia, blocks from the Temple University campus, where she'd been a film and media arts major for less than two weeks. On Saturday, September 2nd, Temple University student government released a statement to the university community that read, We are devastated and heartbroken to hear that her life has been cut short. We can only hope that justice is served whoever committed this heinous crime. The statement also said that those who knew Jenna described her as big-hearted, hilarious, fiercely feminist, unapologetically herself, and an incredibly woke young woman. She sounds like the sort of woman all of us would have loved to know and call friend. Jenna Burley was committed to social issues. She fought against racism and sexism. She supported the rights of the LGBTQIA community, and she loved film. During a vigil held in Jenna Burley's memory on the Temple campus about a week after her death, the student activities director, Chris Carey, read from a writing activity Jenna had during her first and only week at Temple University. The class was Shakespeare in Movies.
1: I'm really excited about this class, and excited to learn in general. I'm a transfer student, so I'm excited to be at Temple, in the city that I love. I grew up going to the Kimmel Center with my grandparents, as well as the Walnut Street Theater with my parents. So I grew up loving plays and musicals, and the orchestra. Now that I'm a film major, I live for seeing them put up on the big screen, and all of the creative possibilities that directors have. In high school, I was never a fan of Shakespeare because I thought it was too hard to understand. But I'm excited to try to fully understand them better now. Overall, I'm just super excited to learn and for all my classes to start.
0: Temple University also offered counseling to students coping with this devastating loss so soon after the start of a new school year. Many of the people who attended the vigil and wrote letters to Jenna Burleigh's family never really knew her. But she was one of them. She was an owl. A temple owl, a temple student, and a Philly girl. So what the fuck happened? Philadelphia police are still piecing everything together. They allege Jenna Burleigh was murdered by Joshua Hupperterts, the man with whom she was seen leaving Webb around 2 a.m. on the morning of Thursday, August 31st. They believe Jenna was murdered in his apartment on North 16th Street around 4 a.m. He then placed her body in a storage container, drove it to his mother's house in Jenkintown on Thursday, August 31st. Jenna was left there overnight in that container. And then on Friday, September 1st, Joshua Hopperturts drove Jenna Burley's body to his grandmother's property in Northeastern PA in Wayne County. Her body was there on the property when Pennsylvania State Police picked Joshua Hopperturts up at his grandmother's house. But they didn't know it, and Jenna Burley had already been dead for 24 hours. When Joshua Hopperterts moved Jenna Burley's body to his grandmother's house, he used the ride service lift. He used a fucking ride service to drive over 100 miles with Jenna Burley's body in a plastic storage tub. So, of course, I wonder about that lift driver. Did he ask, what's in the tub? It's unfathomable to me. This whole thing is just completely unfathomable. On Saturday evening, September 1st, around 6 p.m., Jenna's father, Ed Burley, posted on Facebook, Jenna is now in heaven. R.I.P. honey. I just can't. (laughs) How do you handle taking your child to dinner, dropping her off at a friend's house for a night out when she's starting a brand new school year at a new university and three days later find out she's been murdered?
1: We're really trying to stay together in groups, never travel alone. We have like a lot of safety precautions in hand. Jenna Burley, a 22-year-old who just transferred to Temple, was out with a few friends when she met 29-year-old Joshua Hooperters. Police say the two went back to an apartment in the 1700 block of North 16th, where Hooperters killed her. According to the coroner's office, Burley died from a combination of blunt trauma and strangulation. After just a week of being here, I feel... I can't believe what our parents are going through." Cooperters told police he was too drunk to even remember who he left the bar with. But police say he was apparently sober enough to move Burley's lifeless body to another location and then ultimately to his grandmother's house in Wayne County. The terrible tale of how Burley's life ended is now a lasting first lesson for new students on campus. We're all looking out for each other and we don't want it to let us like stop us from living our life, but we're definitely going to remember it every time we go out to look out for each other and, like, be aware of our surroundings and not get involved with people who can hurt us.
0: Joshua Hopperterts was formally charged with Jenna Burley's murder on Sunday morning, September 2nd. In addition to murder, he was charged with tampering with evidence, abuse of a corpse, and other lesser offenses. He didn't admit to murdering her, although he did admit to what Philadelphia police call elements of the crime. Whether that's admitting to transporting her body, I don't know. That information hasn't been released, not to the public, and not yet to Joshua Huppertert's attorney, David Nenner. Nenner says Joshua will plead not guilty. Of course he will. And claims he's innocent and denies harming Jenna Burley. Of course he does. When Joshua Hopperturtz was picked up by Pennsylvania State Police on the 2nd, he had cuts on his hand and scratches on his face. He passed them off as nothing. He said the cuts on his hand were because he broke a bowl while he was drunk. And the scratches? Well, they were from rough sex earlier in the week. Because, you know, everyone wants to have sex with the guy who allegedly offers female students drugs on a regular basis, is allegedly a pathological liar, and allegedly creeped everyone the fuck out who came into contact with him. Or so say a number of Temple students since news broke of Jenna's murder. Joshua Hupperturtz had a history with law enforcement in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, outside of Scranton, where his grandmother lives. And even though I was able to find years of charges and offenses, I didn't uncover anything that indicated he'd actually served time for any of these charges. There were trials, not for every charge, nor offense. There were guilty verdicts, again, not for every charge. Maybe he was given community service or probation. And even with his criminal history, plus an obvious narcotics investigation now, in addition to the murder charges, because remember, pillowcases full of weed, nothing he did before now was ever close to murder. There were no assault charges. It was mostly theft, drugs, and alcohol. What pushed Joshua Huppertertz to murder Jenna Burleigh? We don't know. And so far, neither do Philadelphia police. Again, Joshua Huppertertz only confessed to elements of the crime. It's very early in the investigation, and police have yet to determine a motive. There were two viewings for Jenna Burleigh on Thursday, September 8th, and she was buried on Friday, September 9th, while Temple students were just getting used to their new class schedules and trying to make sense of what happened to Jenna Burleigh. They can't. No one can. It's impossible to look at photographs of this gorgeous, smiling young woman who looks like she had an incredible passion for life, a passion for everything she did, according to everyone who knew her, and make sense of her murder when she was just about to embark on the next chapter of her life. She could have been the next great female director or created incredible documentaries about our city. She could have opened a media office right here in Philadelphia, the city that she loved. She was excited to be at Temple University. She said in her writing activity in the Shakespeare class that she was just super excited to learn, super excited for her classes to start. And that asshole took all of that away from Jenna Burleigh and her family. Joshua Hopperturt's preliminary hearing on September 19th was continued to November 29th. This case is in the early stages of investigation, and I will share updates on social media as they become available. Jenna Burley's family want to keep her legacy alive, and they're doing that by asking people to contribute to Jenna's Blessing Bags for the Homeless, a charity that provides backpacks with essential items to homeless people. If you'd like to donate, checks or money orders can be made out to Univest Foundation Jenna's Blessing Bags and sent to the Univest Foundation at 14 North Main Street, Box 197, Souderton, Pennsylvania, 18964. The trial of Joshua Huppertertz for the August 2017 murder of 22-year-old Temple University student Jenna Burleigh began on January 8, 2019. And within a day or so, trial judge Glenn Bronson had to move the proceedings to a larger courtroom because there simply wasn't enough space to handle the number of people who came out in support of Jenna Burleigh and her family. As the trial began, Joshua Huppertert's defense attorney, David Nenner, dropped a bomb on the courtroom when he said it wasn't his client who killed Jenna Burleigh, but it was Joshua's roommate, Jack Miley. Although Jack knew Joshua Hupperterts for a few years, the two had only been roommates for about a month. During his testimony, Jack Miley said he and Joshua Hupperterts went out bar hopping on Wednesday night, a night that apparently is called Wild Wednesday by Temple University students and people who live in the area. Jack told the court he and his roommate went out Wednesday night looking to, as he put it, pick up some girls. They started their night at a bar called Maxie's before heading over to Pub Web. Jack Miley told the court he had at least a dozen beers and a half dozen shots as the night wore on, and he was then too drunk to hang out as late as Joshua, so he returned to their apartment and passed out sometime before 1 a.m. Jack Miley's report about leaving the bar at least 90 minutes before his roommate was confirmed by the staff at Pub Web and surveillance cameras outside the bar. But that didn't matter to defense attorney Nenner. He tried to convince the jury Jack was awoken later that morning because he heard a fight between his roommate and Jenna Burleigh. The defense claimed Jack Miley strangled Jenna in an effort to defend his roommate. Jack Miley told the court he didn't see nor touch Jenna Burleigh. He was asleep in a drunken stupor until 1 o'clock on the afternoon of Thursday, August 31st, 2017. Now, you might wonder how he could have slept through whatever struggle ensued between Jenna and Joshua. According to Jack Miley, he was well known among friends and family for passing out in a drunken stupor. More like being unconscious than merely sleeping. He claimed to have a reputation for passing out at parties and sleeping well into the next day, completely oblivious to whatever transpired between other partygoers. Jack Miley claimed when he woke up Thursday afternoon, he found his roommate Joshua Hupperterts cleaning up blood from multiple locations around the apartment, especially in the kitchen, and according to Jack, Joshua didn't do a very good job of it. He also noticed a deep laceration on Joshua Hupperterts' hand. When Jack asked him what the hell happened, Josh said he was pretty drunk the night before and woke up that morning only to find himself in a pricker bush outside their apartment. As news about Jenna Burley's disappearance hit the Temple campus and the surrounding neighborhoods, Jack Miley started wondering what the hell his roommate was doing cleaning up blood in the kitchen. Sure, you fall over drunk and pass out in a pricker bush, you're going to get scratched up. But those aren't the kind of injuries that cause you to bleed all over. You're not going to be dropping blood along the floor and the sink and the door and the bathroom and the trash can and everywhere else that Joshua left blood evidence. This prompted Jack Miley to call the police. But it wasn't the start of their investigation into Joshua Hopperturts. They'd already seen surveillance footage of Jenna and Joshua leaving PubWeb that morning. As hard as defense attorney Nenner tried to convince the court that Jack Miley was somehow involved in Jenna Burley's murder, there was absolutely no evidence linking him to the crime. Philadelphia police forensic analyst Benjamin Levin confirmed there was no forensic evidence other than Joshua Hupperturt's DNA present on Jenna Burley, and there was plenty of Joshua's DNA on Jenna's body. Soon after Jenna was found murdered, we learned Joshua Huppertertz used the Lyft Ride service to transport her body to his grandmother's home in Northeast Pennsylvania on Friday morning, September 1st. Additional details about Joshua's actions were revealed during the trial when his cousin Eric Carlson testified that he too saw Joshua Huppertertz cleaning up blood around his apartment. According to Eric, the cut on Joshua's hand was so deep that it looked like it went all the way to the bone. Unlike the story he told his roommate about waking up in a pricker bush, Joshua Hupperturtz told his cousin he'd cut his hand when he broke a bowl in the kitchen sink. Eric Carlson testified that he helped his cousin clean up his injury and then gave him a ride to Joshua's mother house in Jenkintown. That's a suburb about 15 miles north of Philadelphia. Joshua told Eric Carlson he had a container full of books that he wanted to take to his mom's. The two put the tub in the back seat. Joshua's cousin Eric had no idea that Jenna Burleigh's body was inside that tub. On January 14, 2019, much of the testimony centered around DNA evidence. Multiple forensic analysts from both the Pennsylvania State and Philadelphia Police presented DNA evidence collected from Joshua Hupperturt's apartment and Jenna Burleigh's body. According to their testimony, Jenna and Joshua's blood was found around the first floor of his apartment. Mixed samples of their blood was found in the basement of the apartment. Joshua's blood was found on Jenna's body, and his DNA was a match to semen. The jury was also showed crime scene photos of Jenna Burleigh's body when it was found outside a shed at Joshua Huppertert's grandmother's cabin in northeast Pennsylvania. He used a leopard blanket to cover her after he put her in the tub. Philadelphia Assistant District Attorney Jason Grinnell told the jury the encounter between Jenna Burleigh and Joshua Huppertertz in his apartment led initially to consensual sex. Then Joshua tried to get Jenna to engage in activities she didn't want to do. She said no, and then he tried to force her. Jenna fought him off, She grabbed a kitchen knife and managed to cut Joshua on his hand, but then he wrestled the knife away from her. He stabbed her multiple times, yet she continued fighting for her life. So then he smashed a cereal bowl over her head before he strangled her. The coroner testified Jenna Burley died from blunt force trauma and strangulation. I want to take a moment and talk about consent. You could be in the middle of having sex with someone, and for whatever reason, you change your mind. And that's okay. Consent doesn't just happen before you begin physical contact with someone. It can be revoked at any time. Every man and woman have the right to change their mind. They have the right to say, I'm comfortable with this, but I am not comfortable with that. And just because we did A doesn't mean I'm going to do B, C, or D. And that's okay. Joshua Hoppertertz refused to accept no. In fact, he pushed so hard for what he wanted, his upstairs neighbor, Noelle Sterling, called the police because she heard screaming. Noelle first called the police around 2.15 a.m. early Thursday morning on August 31st, 2017. She testified she heard footsteps and loud noises coming from the backyard behind her apartment and called campus police. Temple University police arrived shortly after her call. They spoke with Noelle, but she wasn't sure whether or not they checked the rear entrance where she heard noises. Noelle Sterling called Temple police again around 4 a.m. when she heard screaming. She said the screaming lasted for at least three minutes and sounded to her like something out of a horror movie. Then it stopped, just as suddenly as it started. Temple police went out to Noelle's apartment again. They spoke to her again. But by the time they arrived, the screaming had stopped. During the trial, campus police said they'd actually knocked on Joshua Hupperturt’s door, but there was no answer. And since the noises Noelle reported had disappeared by the time they arrived at the Cecilby Moore Avenue apartment building, they left. On January 16th, 2019, Joshua Hupperturtz waived his right to testify on his own behalf. He also requested that no more character witnesses be called for his defense. While he didn't change his plea to guilty, perhaps he realized the sham his defense attorney used in an effort to convince the jury his roommate Jack was actually Jenna's murder wasn't working, and he accepted his fate. The following day on Thursday, January 17th, the jury returned a verdict of guilty for the crime of first-degree murder in the death of 22-year-old Jenna Burley. Joshua Hupperturtz was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. After the verdict, defense attorney Nenon said he and his client would begin the process to appeal the court for a lighter sentence or even possibly a new trial. I couldn't tell you on what grounds he believes Joshua would be entitled to a new trial, but you know I'll continue following this one and share more updates if any become available. I cannot imagine the pain and grief a family experiences as a result of the loss of a child. When your child is brutally, senselessly murdered, it has to be even more unbearable. Jenna's murderer was arrested, charged, found guilty, and sentenced to life in prison. That may be some small measure of solace, but the Burlays, Jenna's parents, her friends, they all still suffer the loss of such a smart, exciting young woman who had so many plans for her future and the future of those around her. They lost their bright, shining star because some loser wouldn't accept no. Sure, he spends his life in jail in a small cell every day, but that doesn't change their grief. Their child is still gone. Before I go, I'd like to thank Emmy Sara for the music you heard in this and so many episodes of Twisted Philly. You can find out more about Emmy on her website at emmysara.com and download her music on iTunes. Thank you also to Twisted Philly listener Lindsay, who provided the voiceover of Jenna Burleigh in this episode. As always, thank you for listening. That's it from me. Ciao for now, Twisters.
1: B-Pod Studios